I'm Brian Lee, one of the content creators for the South Central Telehealth Resource Center. Welcome to Telehealth Talk. Recently, health researchers, academians, and innovators gathered to join in structured, open discussions of telehealth research findings and priorities. The goals of this meeting was to share findings and foster research partnerships among researchers and organizations that wish to define and develop the field of connected health research. In today's episode, we bring to you one of the presentations from this meeting, Why the Need for Research in Healthcare Technology, presented by Elizabeth Kropinski from the Department of Radiology and Imaging Sciences at Emory University and from the Southwest Telehealth Resource Center. Hey, and uh, welcome everyone. And I want, you know, I was given kind of this very broad topic and I guess I kind of have to go sideways because we, we don't have a screen, do we? So I kind of have to look this way. Sorry if I kind of turn my back every now and then. I didn't memorize my slides. Um, so I was going to get this broad topic. I mean, why the need for research in healthcare technology? Um, and I could answer it uh, very simply with this, and then I could sit down. Because <laughs> most of us in this room are probably geeky enough, and this to kind of, you know, this is what drives us. Um, science is cool. But why in the realm of, you know, telehealth, and why do we kind of sit here and consider forming a potentially new society? Well, there are naysayers out there. Um, and the naysayers are going to say, well, you know, telehealth exists. It's all being done. What do we need more research for? Uh, you know, what's the big deal? All we've got to do is sell the technology and people will use it and everybody's got their health care. Um, or it's up to industry now, okay? Let them drive uh, the telehealth agenda. Again, provide the equipment, provide the means, provide the networking and everything else and leave those academics alone. Um, people are going to say we don't really need research. What we really need is training and education. We just need to train people more. Um, I would argue that half of training and education is research. Um, we have to figure out the best ways to do that. And again, there's people who would say it's uh, up to industry now. Um, there's been a ton of systematic reviews. Men and Alan, Rashid Bashir, he's done this whole lovely series. Well, it's solved, isn't it? I mean, you can do these systematic reviews. He goes over the evidence. He goes over the cost. They're all positive. What more do we need? Why do we need to keep doing research? Um, and it's uh, still, it's up to industry, and I think everybody knows what meeting I'm talking about when I say that. Um, and, then, and then there's all those darn siloed academics, and, you know, we're not really doing telehealth. We're just researching telehealth, and it really doesn't impact anything at all. So that's kind of the naysayers. Um, but then there's yaysayers. And... I don't think that's really a word, but there is a rock group that call themselves the yaysayers, so I figure I can use it too. Um, and these are just some of my favorite quotes about kind of like why we're all here and what we're doing in terms of research and so on, and especially that bottom one down there, um, which unfortunately is where a lot of people go for their information. Um, and that is not just your patients, not just your providers. A lot of times it's your CEOs, CFOs, and academics, and so on. Um, and okay, yeah, I've used Google, and there's certain things you can find. But obviously, research is critically important, especially in telehealth. And, you know, we've all seen the pendulum swing, I think. I mean, I think a lot of telemedicine started out as a research adventure. 
um, and we tried to figure out how to make it work. Gee, wouldn't this be cool if we could do this, you know, by a telly and so on. Then all of a sudden it became reality. And people did start to use it, and people are using it. And that's why you have the naysayers that say, well, you know, it's just not necessary anymore. It's out there. Um, but there's still so much that we need to look at and so much that we need to investigate, which is why I think we still need to continue to do research. And this is sort of why, from my perspective. All of these things feed into one another. Um, and each one of these is connected. And you can't look at one without looking at the other and the interactions that everything has with each other. Research drives technology. Technology drives research. All of that drives policy. All of that drives need. And you can just look at any one of these connections, and any one of these could end up being an, a, an entire research paradigm and a career for someone to figure out where the connections are being made. And every single one of these is dynamic. It's not static, which is why we have to continue to do research and we have to continue to do empirically-based studies. Because every time the technology changes, you have to do research to figure out what that impact is whether the impact is on the patient, the provider, outcomes, human factors, whatever you want to look at, policy and so on. And you can't just expect something new to happen and not have an impact on all those other features there. And that's what's going to continue to drive research in telehealth, is this, this spaghetti highway, basically, of uh, what influence is. This is just... Um, I want to talk a little bit about sort of the impact of research. And this is a wonderful study that was done actually on behalf of radiology. Um, but I think it applies to everything because people, again, will think of academics as sitting in their silos and it really doesn't have any impact on the real world and NIH is putting out all this money and like I said, we don't have to worry about the current political state, but that's the arguments that people are making. That all this money going to all these silly researchers really has no impact whatsoever on healthcare and everything else in the world. And that is absolutely not true. What this study did was look at all of the NIH institutes and looked at the funding of the projects that it had done and looked at the number of patents that were generated as a function of the amount of funding and then the mean citations per patent. And it's very difficult to judge the impact of NIH funding on anything, on true outcomes. So we look for surrogates. People look at publications and so on. This is another surrogate uh, for the impact of the research that all of us are doing in healthcare, including telehealth. And from the radiology perspective, it was really cool because NIBIB, which is basically our institute, is way up there with a lot of patents um, being generated and cited and so on. But every other institute as well, except for, you know, some of these over there, but they're all generating patents too. And what does that mean? Again, technology drives research. Research drives technology. What are patents all about? It's all about technology, intellectual property. And all of that then starts to drive policy and healthcare. And so this, again, is truly showing the impact of research in general, but I think all of these institutes have in the past or are starting to fund telehealth research, and that's what's having an impact as well. So we truly do need research because it does, uh, it is money well spent, um, and hopefully 
our Congress people at least will understand this, if not the higher administration. So where's our dilemma in telehealth, and why do we go against those naysayers and say we still need to do research? Here's an example, and this just came out in managed care. It's, it's one of those online type things uh, just yesterday. And it provides you know, telehealth overview, the reality check, please. And it talks about trends and charts are marching up. Investors are investing. Insurers are extending coverage. Uh, you know, Everybody loves telehealth. And then it says, but there's some skunks at the telehealth garden party. Research suggesting quality and utilization problems and lingering uncertainty about reimbursement. And you can kind of look at this in two ways, and it's exactly what it presents. Is on the top is sort of the, the researcher's perspective. Um, so you've got uh, Dr. Usher Pines uh, from the RAND who's done telehealth studies, looked at Teladoc, and found that you know, there was increased spending on acute respiratory illness by $45 per telehealth user. 88% of the usage was new utilizations, not a replacement for more expensive care. And then you've got sort of the um, Teladoc chief medical officer kind of giving a rebuttal that you know you didn't look at you know that they had considerable cost savings, minor increase in utilization. And you've got these two totally different perspectives. And it's like, are you looking at the same data? Who's right? Who's wrong? There is no right and wrong per se. I mean, that's what we need more research about. But so much depends on perhaps biases in the beginning, what you look at, how you look at, and how you define what's good. Is it necessarily bad that there's new utilization? Maybe not. Maybe these are patients that otherwise would not have been utilizing the healthcare system at all. So again, it depends on how you define and frame your questions in your research agenda. And I think that's what part of this society is going to be about, is helping define, perhaps, some of this framework that we all should be utilizing to address some of these questions, perhaps in a more uniform way. But again, this is just a, sort of an example. And there's this duality as well. And we talked about it a little bit this morning in uh, the matrix meeting. Um, but there's a duality that's facing all of us now, more than ever in the past, I think. Um, where you've got telehealth, and we're still fighting to get it out there, get people using it, and so we have to keep calling it telehealth. And we have to keep doing studies that call out the fact that we're telehealth. Um, because everybody's saying, well, should we reimburse it? It's telehealth, it's not real health. Um, but on the other hand, we're all saying, but it's just healthcare. Why do we need separate metrics? Can't we just be studying the same things we've been studying in traditional healthcare, the same kinds of outcomes? Why do we have to be developing, inventing whole new ways of looking at healthcare just because there's a telecomponent? And so we're stuck with this duality. And again, I think that having a society like what we're proposing is gonna help us address this duality by getting people together who can hopefully convince people that you know, this duality doesn't have to exist. We can just study 
health care in an enterprise fashion, and it doesn't matter how it's delivered, it's the outcomes that matter, not the means to get there all the time. So there's all different types of things we can study, but again, I think it's key that we understand it shouldn't matter whether that telly is in front of it or not. So what are the types of topics that I think are kind of, oh, hot and coming down the road? Um, these are just some of them um, that I think are going to become more and more important and be some of our challenges. Um, wearable sensors and all the related issues there. Um, the whole remote monitoring thing I think is super hot and super cool and people are looking at it to um, you know, cure cancer and save lives and everything else. Um, again, reality expectations, and that's where research is going to come into play, is to help set those expectations as to what we need. Looking at the safety, um, the reliability and validity of the data that we get from all these things that were, you know, 24-7 data, informatics, which hasn't really been a big part of telehealth, is going to be incredibly important. Data mining tools. Um, avenues for research that are just absolutely open for all of us and taking us potentially in new directions, but again, simply looking at healthcare data and outcomes, and you don't need that telly. Um, policy, who owns the data? Can research help in that respect as well? We need more long-term studies, really long-term, and really, we need these studies. Long-term isn't six months. Long-term isn't eight months. You've got a diabetic who's had diabetes for 20 years, and it's still under control. Not under control. That's long-term, and that's where we need more studies. It's hard enough to get that done in the, in the, in the traditional healthcare systems, but we need things like NHANES and that agenda to incorporate, you know, telehealth into that and see how we can get our agenda into some of these broader agendas that look at healthcare in general, but utilizing our methods and our tools. Uh, direct to consumer, huge, huge can of worms. And, you know, one day it's good, one day it's bad, one day everybody's happy, one day everybody's attacking us and saying, oh my God, it's no good. Um, I think we need a ton of research in this area, not only on how it's impacting patient outcomes, but the entire patient-physician relationship um, and how that's actually going to change. Is it going to change for the good or for the bad? I mean, maybe this is the way we want to go. Maybe the new generation wants their health care this way. Maybe they don't care about privacy. Maybe they don't care about relationships with their physicians. Maybe they're okay with the black box, stuck in a box, that you just call up and swipe your credit card. We gotta find that out. It might be absolutely acceptable for 95% of the population, and the other 5% do different methods, okay? But we need the research. We don't know what's out there. Um, and critically important. I think is absolutely multi-institutional studies. And we need to get the funding agencies to support us in that. But how do we do it? Well, by getting together groups like this and deciding that, you know, what do we have, 12, 15 tables here, that could be 12, 15 institutions. And we could perhaps get together through the search society and say, okay, let's submit for a P41, or let's submit for uh, Akron study, perhaps, 
You know, there's a ton of mechanisms out there. We know a lot about individual institutions. When I review papers, every single paper, I think, a limitation. This is a single institution study on a limited population. Okay, if we keep saying it enough, it's got to convince us that we need something better and that something better is multi-institutional trials. Um, and we need to look at diverse populations. We're limited by sample sizes. Some of the things that we're looking for, some of the outcomes, I think, that are published when people say, you know, oh, well, it's equivalent to, or no, we didn't find much. If we had larger sample sizes, I'm convinced that telehealth would win and that we would find much better outcomes. If we did longitudinal studies in multi-institutional, it'd be golden. I, th I think we could do it, and we would demonstrate or prove I never use the word prove. You're not supposed to do that in science. Um, but I think we could prove that telehealth certainly does have an advantage over what we're doing now. A lot of talk about standardized protocols, standardized controls. And I'm, I'm kind of on both sides of this issue. Um, I don't want anybody telling me how I have to do my study. And I don't think anybody wants to do that. Um, but to some extent, I think we do need to agree, perhaps, on a minimum set of requirements on what has to be done, what would constitute a good control group. Um, is it simply pre and post? Is that good enough? Um, is it good enough to have, you know, cohort matched? I just uh, reviewed a, uh, a paper last night on the plane coming up where the control group was those who declined to engage in the telehealth. And the ones in the telehealth were the ones who agreed. Self-selection, and lo and behold, the ones in the telehealth were happier. Well, because they self-selected themselves to be in something that they thought might be pretty darn cool. And then they also had hidden in there that they were um, appropriate or suitable patients and never defined what appropriate and suitable meant. So, you know, there's a lot of bias and confounds out there that people just don't think about. And not that, again, we need to create a standard way of doing science that everybody says, okay, I have to do it this way. But again, we need to set some minimum standards or guidelines for how we do research. So if we can't do multi-institutional, we could at least do a meta-analysis that's valid and appropriate because everybody did it sort of in the same way and we all measured Utilize, using the same tools or at least the same things. Um, so again, search, um, and we're going to talk about this, you know, for the next day and a half, but the goal really is to support uh, for advancing connected health initiatives and improving connected health care. Again, notice we don't use the word telehealth in there or tele. Um, create an environment that sustains unbiased and impartial research kind of hard to be impartial when we're all such advocates, but we have to be. Um, provide education and training in connected health research methods, interpretation, and dissemination. Um, I don't think we do enough of this. ATA certainly doesn't. Um, in the beginning, it did, but in recent years, it really hasn't made this as much of an emphasis. Um, 
in terms of providing the type of education, not just in research, but in research methods and appropriate ways of doing things in this very unique environment that we call telehealth. Um, and I think that's absolutely critical. So, you know, some of the things that we'd be talking about in this society are providing webinars on how to do telehealth research. What are some of the validated survey tools that are out there? Um, outcomes tools and so on. So to educate people who want to get into this and encourage young investigators to get into telehealth research. Um, advance evidence-based connected health naturally and utilize research in an effective way to inform health policy leadership on connected health research and its implications. Um, again, most legislatures and so on could really care less about the hardcore data. What works for them are personal stories. But data actually drives things like CMS, societies, professional guidelines that are coming out. So it is important and we need to understand and promote all of this and that really is what search is going to be all about. So kind of in conclusion, and I want to leave, you know, like open time for discussion and, and points that other people want to talk about. Um, this is always just one of my favorite cartoons about research, so I always put it up. Because um, it talks a little bit about, you know, just creativity, which is what we all have to be about. Talks a little bit about bias. Um, nothing against the male mind, but come on, guys, face it. How many of you actually did this when you were kids? As a, see, I got some hands here, and I don't see any women raising their hands, so. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but, you know, it's, it's all about curiosity. It's all about doing research and having a society like search and developing somewhere where we could really promote things from the ground up and really start to address some of the things that I talked about. Um, again, that's what kind of the discussions led up to this meeting. Um, and where hopefully we'll be able to go in terms of creating a society really dedicated to uh, research in sort of the telehealth environment. As always, let's keep the conversation going. You can find and follow us on Twitter at Telehealth Talk or leave us a message at info at learntelehealth.org. You can also visit our website, learntelehealth.org, for tools, tips, and resources to help you on your telehealth journey. That's learntelehealth.org. Thanks for listening.